This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're wrapping up the the Acts stories with Paul preaching in Rome. We've been on this for a hot minute, literally since January. I've spent the entire year up to this point storytelling through the book of Acts. We spent a year in the book of Acts because I wanted a young church like Wellhouse to be able to spend a significant amount of time in the book of Acts asking the question, what does the activity of God look like? Mm. That's why this story series is called the activity of God Acts, the activity of God. Um, or the activity of the divine, I think is what I ended up calling it, but the subtitle. But that's because I wanted us to ask the question, uh, what is the activity of God and what does that activity look like? And I think throughout the story of Acts, we've seen that a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. A lot of different ways. And for the last, you know, two chapters or so we've been following paul on this trial journey he's in rome we've been following paul you know since about uh full time since about chapter 15 16 um we first get introduced to him into in seven or eight something like that his conversions in nine we get him until 10 and then peter takes over for a few chapters um But that, that's what we've been doing. And now we get to the end of Acts. This thing that if I had to pick a like thesis statement, if you were going to make me like pick a thesis statement out of the book of Acts like they would do in like a, like in a college works class, it's probably Acts 1.8. But you, and might I say, that's a you plural. We we don't really have a you plural. Yeah, we say y'all. It's y'all. Yeah, yeah for it's you, y'all. Pl- you all. Uh, English doesn't really have it that way, but other languages have like plural versions of second and third person, which we have a, a plural of the third person, them, mm-hmm. those people, right? Uh, they. But this is a you plural here, and. But you, plural, will receive power. And that's a big word, I think. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the Holy Spirit will be your institutor of power. And what will that power manifest as? You'll be my witnesses. You'll be a voice for me. You'll be an advocate for me. You will be my witnesses, the Jesus witness in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Hey, Clayton, you want to know where a Jew thought the world ended? About Rome. Mm. 
Uh, that's not really oh. true. The world ended in Spain. And so the Western world ended in Spain. There's a guy named Clement of Rome uh, that ends up being, you know, almost unanimously recognized as the first real institutional pope. Mm-hmm. Um, and he makes a claim in First Clement, I think it's in chapter 10, that Paul actually makes it to Spain. And that's because the book of Acts doesn't actually tell us the end of Paul's story. So a lot of people think that Paul had a second career, a second into a second career, where he gets to go to Spain because of First Clement. Um, Paul, his story ends here in Rome because. What is Rome? Rome is a a force of power. It's an empire. Yeah. It's an empire. So if you get Rome, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, if you can gain control of Rome, if you can get the voice of Rome, then you will flourish. Like you will flourish. You will thrive. You will be lice out. It's a done deal. Um, and so Paul's story ends here in Rome. And if you remember from last week, Paul's having some conversations with some Jewish leaders. And this is how the story unfolds. After they had set a day to meet with him, they came to him as lodging in great numbers. So a lot of these Jewish people in Rome, these Jewish leader and Jewish leaders in Rome, come to him in great numbers to his house. From morning until evening, he explained the matter to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Interesting. Why is it interesting that he's trying to convince them about Jesus from the law and the prophets? Because that's the criteria. Because that's what they care about. Yeah. And according to Jesus, all the law and all the prophets can be summed up in what? Loving God and loving people. Love the Lord your God yourself with all your soul, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Paul is trying to show them the way that Jesus fits in Judaism. Yeah, that this is not a new thing. This is not a different religion. That this is just a part of the ancient. Historic Jewish faith. Yeah. <clears throat> verse 22, or sorry, verse 24. Some were convinced by what he had to say, while others refused to believe. Notice how Luke chooses to word that. Some were convinced. And others chose not to believe. 
Others refused. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Others refused. It's very strong. It's also leading. It's very leading. Um It presupposes that Paul's argument is 100% convincing and they refused to believe. I think that's Luke's biases coming through. I want to go ahead and say that, knowing that. Mm-hmm. I think there are people that genuinely want to believe that struggle. Yeah. To be fair, I might call myself one of those people. If you ask me to believe in a as they sit today, omnipotent God, I would struggle to believe. And as I sit here today, I refuse to believe that. Uh, I do think Luke's biases are showing up a little bit here in that statement. And I wanted to point that out. And this is, you know, Wellhouse is a different kind of church. And I want to point out the weaknesses of the Bible. I want to point out its beauty and its glory, because it certainly has that. But I also want to make sure we point out its weaknesses. And this is clearly a weakness. Luke's biases are clearly coming through here. And it's not just always as simple as believing when you spend a day with someone trying to convince you of faith for the rest of your life. Yeah, It's not quite that simple a lot of times. It's not the raise your hand at the... At the call to worship. You right. Know? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Like, that's not what this is. Not how it worked. Verse 25. So they disagreed with each other, as you might expect people to do in that kind of situation, right? You got a guy that's in prison on trial from your leaders in Jerusalem where you live in Rome, and he's going, he's telling you a story, and you're going, what the heck is this? And half of you believe and half of you don't. Of course a disagreement is going to arise amongst you, right? Mm-hmm. So they disagreed with each other, and as they were leaving, Paul made one further statement. Here you go. Here's your moment. Like Paul been leading up to this moment, ready to drop the hammer on these fools. And here's what he decides to say. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors, through the prophet Isaiah, go to this people and say, You will indeed listen, but never understand. And you will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes, so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Let it be known to you then that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, they will listen. Clayton, what did you hear? That's Paul's moment, right? That's Paul's, like, the last words before you're executed, right? Any final words? What I hear is people walking out the door saying, screw this, this guy's crazy, and Paul quoting verbatim, showing he knows what he's talking about. A prophet they thoroughly respect. Which is who? Which is Isaiah. 
Why is that important? Because I, uh, Isaiah has some of the most messianic prophecies. Isaiah is the messianic prophet. Isaiah, don't forget, is also an important prophet to quote if you're going to have this conversation in the book of Acts because Isaiah is, as you said, the messianic prophet. But Isaiah is also the prophet that has Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, mm. anointed me to do the work, uh, to set the captive free, right? To bring about liberation. Um, that's the message of the book of Acts. Yeah. That's what the gospel is. Isaiah 61 and Joel chapter 2 as we get in Pentecost, right? So Paul chooses to quote Isaiah, a notable prophet, a prophet that is beloved, Arguably the most beloved of all the prophets. Yep. Isaiah is also the one that has Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. Naturally an easy fit for Jesus. Um, Isaiah 50, 51 through 61-ish, all about Messiah. Mm -hmm. All about Messiah. Paul says... I'm going to give you the best I got right here in these final moments. And make no mistake, the Gentiles believe this. So if you don't want to accept me, that's fine. But the person who you believe in the most, the prophet you believe in the most, if you don't hear these words, guess what? The people you don't like are going to hear them. And so what happens? He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. Paul lived in Rome for two years. By choice. At his own expense. His trial's done. It doesn't tell us how it ends. But his trial's done. They're not going to waste all that money to ship him there at their expense because he's their prisoner and not have that trial. Clearly, I mean, we don't know, but it seems like he didn't die. Well, the story doesn't end with telling us the end of his life. What it does tell us is that he lived there two years at his own expense, so he chose to stay. And welcomed anyone who came to him. Which, once again, to your point about the Jesus comparison, isn't that what Jesus did? Verse 31. This is what he did while he was there and when they came to him. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness 
and without hindrance. And this is what I think I would like to say as the final things about the book of Acts. Paul preached proclaiming the kingdom of God. That is what we are supposed to do. It's about the kingdom of God. Here and now and in the future. The already not yet. The kingdom of God is what matters. If you want to know what that is, our Pints and Perspectives podcast has an entire series with my master's thesis supervisor at HBU on the kingdom of God. It's fantastic. That's the kingdom of God. He goes about proclaiming the kingdom of God and he preaches with all boldness and without hindrance. The church's voice loses ground when it becomes a hindrance. We're at that point today. Our voice is a hindrance more than it's a help. Um, in lots of ways. Might I invite you to look at our political system right now. And the way in which... The religious vote is being fought after and taunted. Um, and the way in which we become a hindrance to ourselves and our own mission because of the way we build our institutions and our cultures and our systems. Um, the institution of the church can very easily become a hindrance. A hindrance to progress, a hindrance to itself, a hindrance to its own mission. I think I might look around at a lot of churches and go, I think you are a hindrance to your own mission. Yeah. That's what we can't do. We can't be a hindrance. The church, our message of proclamation of hope and goodness, it can't be a hindrance to anything except death. So, yeah. I, I, I think I see where you're at, and I think I understand and this might be what you're saying, but could I word it a little bit differently and you confirm? Um, Paul preached the kingdom of God without hindrance of his own voice. No, I think what I mean is that Paul preached the kingdom of God without hindrance by the Roman Empire because his message was a contribution to society and not a detriment. A lot of our mainstream media narrative about Christians in positions of power create a hindrance for us. And we perpetuate those hindrances in the ways that we hold and conduct ourselves and some of the other things that we do. So, for instance, I pick on her a lot because she's an easy target. Um, but Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Republican congresswoman from Georgia, she's on record saying that she thinks Christians, that she's a Christian, and that she thinks that all Christians should be Christian nationalists. On record. Uh, that's a hindrance. That's preaching the kingdom of God and a hindrance. Um because it's not the kingdom of God. Uh, Lauren Boebert, another one. Matt Gates, another one. Um, there are lots of these people that don't represent us well. And then there are people that parade them. And then as they conduct themselves, 
they make themselves a hindrance by the way they talk to people, right? By the way they carry themselves, the demeanor they have, the tone they have. Um, all of these things lead up to a hindrance in society, which is quite problematic and troubling. <clears throat> what I think I mean is that the beauty of what Paul is doing in this moment is that he gets to go about preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God without hindrance because Rome's not getting in his way because he's helping people. There's no harm caused here. Um, and there's no people getting in his way because of the way he's conducting himself or because of the way he's preaching the gospel or because of anything that he's doing. When we become a hindrance to our own message, we should really look at the way we're living. It's not the message's problem. It's our problem. And I think that, you know, Paul, I've always been fascinated by this verse in 1 Corinthians that Paul says, be an imitator of me as I am an imitator of Christ. It's a bold claim. But you know, I never saw Jesus be Jesus' own hindrance. To be fair, I never saw Paul be Paul's own hindrance. I see a lot of Christians today being their own hindrance. Might that be what we remember about the book of Acts? That our goal, the thesis statement of the book of Acts is that we are going to go about that the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of servitude that the Holy Spirit gives us, is going to come upon us and that we will be witnesses to Jesus that in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we won't be a hindrance to that message. We will be a contributor to society, that we will be a goodness to society and that we won't hinder our own message and our actions won't hinder the message we're trying to proclaim. That is what our journey is. That is what we are supposed to be doing. Um, we are a people proclaiming the kingdom of God without hindrance. Our own hindrance or the hindrance of others because we're not causing problems. When people are against Christians... In America, it's never persecution. Don't say that nonsense. We're not persecuted. When people are against Christians, it's because we've become a hindrance. We've become a hindrance to ourselves. We've become a hindrance to our own mission, to our own message. And that's why people choose to call us hypocrites. Might we all go about proclaiming the kingdom of God without hindrance.